sobriety uh, all of a sudden seems seems quite intoxicating. Uh, more and more people are opting for the non-alcoholic. Uh, this this is going even to the point of entire bars popping up uh, in our inner suburbs, offering comprehensive selections of of the booze-free but still jolly. And and there's a product range occurring, popping up to meet this new need. The market for little or no booze beverages is a $14 billion business globally, and, and that is attracting serious attention and serious investment. And here we are. We have non-alcoholic beers that taste like beer. We have spirits that, that give you some of the, the taste thrills and complexity of, of, of hard liquor, but with none of the drunkenness. What does this mean for restaurants uh, where, where thoughtful combinations of food and drink have traditionally dwelt on wine? Uh, to discuss, Besha Riddell joins us. Besha is the Age's Chief Restaurant Reviewer. Besha, welcome. Thanks so much. How detectable uh, is this shift in, in restaurant land? Uh, really detectable. I think, you know, a few years ago, it would have been pretty unusual for an entire part of the beverage list to be dedicated to non-alcoholic drinks. And it's pretty common now. Um, it's something that I look for when I review. You know, it's funny because I eat out with my kid a lot who has only just turned 18. And so he's been obsessed with mocktails since he was <laughs> 10. When we go out, he was always grumpy if there wasn't anything for him to drink except a Coke, you know. So um, it's something that I've paid a lot of attention to over the years. Well, and it is such a, 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 a generational shift, I think, in the drinking habits in the population. So I guess that has to drive change. I think so. And I also think that for people like me, you know, I'm in my 40s now, and more and more, you know, I, I came up in an era where it was pretty cool to be the only girl in a place who could drink everyone under the table. And that's just not as cute when you're 45 <laughs> as it is when you're 22. So you start to say, you know, what's my relationship with alcohol? And I do think that a lot of what's driving this is not people who are, you know, going traditionally sober, although that is happening as well. Mm. But people who are just re-examining their relationship with alcohol, do they want to be drinking as much as they are? And how can they still go out and have a good time and feel like they're part of, you know, the nightlife or the dinner party or whatever during times like dry July or, you know, just when they're trying to cut back on alcohol. So I think for for a lot of people, you know, myself included, it's really nice to have that option when you want it. And the range of products that's coming up to, you know, to meet that demand is quite extraordinary. It is, yeah. And suddenly if you don't, okay, so it's, it's Tuesday and Wednesday, the days in which I have decided I will not drink alcohol. But here is this interesting and complex thing which has flavour and is 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 good to drink that is not water or is not a, a Coke, as you say, that I could have. It, it, it shifts that, you know, quite dramatically. It does. And I think for a lot of us, and, you know, also historically, back when people made cocktails <laughs> um, at home a lot, which, you know, I'm talking about 50, 60 years ago, it really did delineate the the difference between your work day and your leisure time, right? You came home, you mixed martini, off yeah, you go. <laughs> and that was that was the beginning of leisure time. And that's certainly a lot of how I use alcohol, especially 
in the era of work from home? How do you, you know, delineate that stopping of work and the beginning of your time with your family? For me, that has traditionally been having a beer with my husband. We'll play cards. We'll have a beer. And and it is really nice for me to be able to have a decent non-alcoholic beer on those days when I don't want to drink while we are kind of going through that ritual while I'm cooking dinner. And look, uh, I wouldn't have dreamt of drinking non-alcoholic beer a few years ago because I don't feel as though they were made for beer drinkers. They were made for people who were basically alcoholics who wanted to not drink. But now they they kind of are. (laughs) Yeah. And and now they, they, you know, there's quite a few uh, that are really good beers, you know, they, and so if you want to go to a picnic, if you want to, you know, go to a party and you want to bring something, but you don't want to be drinking, um, it's no longer this kind of weird, shameful thing. So as you say that the restaurants will now have, you know, increasingly a better offering of, of non-alcoholic drink. What I'm curious about is whether that, that absence of alcohol begins to change the food as well as the drink offering. I don't think so. I mean, I do think that a smart beverage program, no matter who is creating it, be a bartender, a sommelier, is always in play with the the food that the chef creates. And, And so if you are trying to create a pairing or drinks that go well with the type of food that you're serving, you're going to approach it pretty similarly, whether or not it involves alcohol or not. I mean, I think that the thing that's a little tough for me with non-alcoholic pairings in particular is that I've never really enjoyed the cocktail pairing, which people were trying to do for a long time. Mm -hmm. I feel like those flavors tend to clash with a lot of food. And so I always, you know, preferred wine pairings because wine you know, for thousands of years has been made specifically to go with certain cuisines. So it can be a little difficult to pair something non-alcoholic with a full meal and go through that. But there are people who are trying really hard and in some cases really succeeding, I think. I wonder if it's the thing with wine too, is this is, this is a creature of, of tremendous range and subtlety. You exactly. Know, which, which is difficult to find in the non-alcoholic drink, I think. I think it is too. I think that, again, there are people who are really good at it, but it's a burgeoning art, I think, and people are going to get it wrong more than they get it right at first. I mean, cocktails in general, whether or not they have alcohol in them, tend to be fairly sweet. You know, it's harder to have something very, very savory that's non-alcoholic. I think that that's part of why people like kombucha, because it does have that kind of that acid, that vinegary thing that can cut through a, a richer dish or or something along those lines that would be difficult to do with, you know, juice or cordial. But, you know, I think we're just at the beginning of this. And right now, non-alcoholic wine isn't quite at the same place as non-alcoholic beer, I don't think, but it is getting mm. there very rapidly. So I do think that that's something that's going to be emerging soon as well. I think the technical expression is undrinkable. Yes, <laughs> exactly. At this point, although I, I've heard from um, people in the States that there are some really good non-alcoholic wines coming out there. You know, I haven't had one as of yet and I'm already like a horrible wine snob, so it'll probably be a while. <laughs> but um, but I'm the one to ask. that it'll happen. Yeah. <laughs> well, well, speaking of wine, I mean, I wonder what this shift 
should it become uh, increasingly entrenched and, and, and dramatic, what this begins to do perhaps to the economics of the restaurant? I think that people who are not going to drink are not going to drink. I think that this is helping people not drink who are trying to not drink, but I don't think of it as a, you know, you can't kind of reverse engineer it. So if mm. anything, I think it can only help if, if somebody is coming to a restaurant who is not drinking alcohol anyway, they're probably going to order, you know, one soda or something, or now they have the option of having a, a pairing or having um, a couple of cocktails that uh, they wouldn't otherwise buy. So I don't think that it's going to drastically affect the economy of restaurants. I, you know, I think that it's, if anything, it's a, it's an added bonus at this point. You know, you, you arrive at your table, you, you might have a, a, a glass of sparkling, you may have a, another glass with this course and another glass with that course and perhaps another glass with that. If you're not having that that sequence of flavour, that sequence of you know accompaniment uh, that you're getting from those different wines through the course of a meal, you might just stick on that one glass of something. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And you know, I think again, the smarter that people get about making non-alcoholic um, options for people, the more they're going to want to. You know, you again. Who wants you know four cokes throughout the course of an <laughs> evening? That, that would be um, a lot of sugar and a lot of caffeine. <laughs> but you know, I can imagine having a non-alcoholic beer and then a non-alcoholic cocktail. You know, and then maybe something after dinner as well. Mm. So I, mm. I think it does. You know, again, I think if anything, it's it's really going to help restaurants to be you know, just bumping up that check from that non-drinking person a tiny bit. Well, it's interesting that you're, you know, in your your extensive uh, restauranting, you're, you're beginning to see this shift, beginning to see this change. It's an interesting trend. Yeah. And look, like many things, it was a very top-down um, thing. I, I think I first saw it, you know, in places like Noma or Attica. Um, hmm. I remember the first time I ate at Attica was when I came to Australia it was when I was still living in the U S and I came for world's 50 best restaurants. And I went and had lunch there and um, I had to be up late that night and file a story late that night. Um, it was the night of the world's 50 best awards. And so I said to them, you know, I would like to have some wine, but I, I need to not be drunk when I leave here. And they um, offered me an option that now is codified in the menu. I'm not sure if it was at the time. That is a half wine and half non-alcoholic pairing. So I was still getting that conversation with the sommelier every course. Um, they were still talking me through what the flavor combinations were. And I got about half the wine that you usually would get with a pairing. And it allowed me to kind of not have to go home and take a nap immediately. And it was really nice. And I think that that was probably one of the first examples. And, you know, that was what, six years ago now. So it really was these kind of very high-end restaurants that were experimenting that have the 
I think, resources as well. Mm. Um, you know, a place like Noma has an entire test kitchen and all of these people who are experimenting with all different flavors of stuff to come up with really inventive and cool non-alcoholic options. Um, and I think so it's been a trickle down from from those folks, I think. Yeah, that'll be the really interesting thing, I think, to, to see people being really inventive with this. I mean, really playing with flavor and strange combinations and, and presenting us with an entirely new drinking vocabulary that just happens to not be alcoholic. Yeah, no, I think so as well. And I think that it will end up influencing the wider bartending community. I mean, I think that it started off as people trying to make non-alcoholic Negronis, right? And then <laughs> they, and then people started saying, okay, wait, there's kombucha, there's all of these interesting native ingredients in Australia that we can turn to. There, there are all of these things that you can put into a beverage that more chefy, a more interesting. People might not have tasted this before, and I think that that interplay, you know, between the kind of classic bartender cocktail world and the world of non-alcoholic pairing, it kind of skews that line between bartender and sommelier too. Because I think that often it's the sommelier who is, um, you know, in charge of beverage pairings for the most part. So I think that it's kind of a sharing of knowledge that's going to end up, you know, with some pretty cool results. Interesting times, Bisha. Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks so much. I'm off to have a beer now. <laughs> <laughs> Besha Riddell, Ages Chief Restaurant Reviewer. Stream any ABC radio station live and on the go. Discover new podcasts, music and audiobooks, all free on the ABC Listen app.